Audio. Welcome back to If You Need Me, a podcast for emotional support. When you need it. Uh, I totally forgot that I was supposed to add that last little bit there like I always do. So welcome, everyone. I'm having a great morning. (laughs) My name is Anna Claire McCandless. And I'm Andy King. And you know what? Let's keep that one. (laughs) First thought, best thought? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right. Yeah, no. No, take two. Good. (laughs) Yeah, when I was saying that, my brain just, like, stopped. And then it kept going. It was like my brain had to buffer to catch up with itself really quick. How often do you buffer? Oh, pretty often. (laughs) It happens a lot during meetings, and I feel really dumb when it happens, because my brain just, like, stops. Do you, I mean, does does it actually stop, or do you stop paying attention? Like, do you have, do you have a problem... Uh, really focusing on a conversation. Um, I don't think it's so much as focusing on the conversation, especially if it's something that like I need to be talking during. Um, I try to stay as focused as possible because I know I'm easily distracted. Um, especially for work stuff because I don't want to appear like a complete idiot all the time. Um, now if it's just like passing conversation and I'm kind of a part of it, yeah, I'm not paying attention whatsoever. <laughs> Okay, yeah, let's get into uh, conversations with friends. How often do you do you find yourself tuning out? Um, if they're not talking, like, directly to me or about something that I'm, like, invested in or, like, I have an interest in, I just, like, politely kind of half pay attention. <laughs> Is this like when we're in a text conversation and you want to, you, you kind of want to cut the conversation short so you just do, like, a hell yeah or, like, a fuck yeah and... That's pretty much it. No, that's genuinely because I don't know what else to say in that moment. So I'm just like, hell yeah, okay. I'm happy for you. That's great. Um, I just wanted to check on that. I was curious. No, text conversations I'm usually pretty checked into because they're like direct conversations with me. Unless it's a group chat. And then I'm like, I can't keep up with this. Group chats are the bane of my existence. And like, I really appreciate them. But you're them. part of a lot of them. Yeah. And that, that's part of it. It's like, I'm in a lot of group chats. Like we have our D&D group, group chat. We, my, my mom and I, or my mom, my brother and I have a group chat. My mom, my brother, my uncle David and I have a group chat. There's one with, uh, me and Trevor and Allie and Christian. There's one with the um, the girlfriend group, me, Allie, Caitlin, and Hope. And they're like, it's there are so many group chats that I have to keep up with. A lot of them are honestly muted because like during the workday is typically when a lot of stuff happens. And I like, I can't pay attention to work and keep up with group chats. And I feel really guilty about it because I obviously want to like talk to my friends, but at the same time, um, I I only have so much brain space at one time, and I just can't do group chat. Just, like, text me one-on-one, man. I would so much rather do that. <laughs> I, on, I've i tried so hard to limit the amount of group chats that I'm in because I lose interest so quickly. Like, I really don't want to be part of a group conversation unless it's in person. Yeah, I understand that. I feel like that's pretty normal. Like, group chats can be a really good thing to, like, get information to a large group of people, but, like... Yeah, then uh, let's stop. Yeah, let's not have, like, a conversation in the group chat. Now, if you want to send a funny meme 
in the group chat, by all means, hit me with it. <laughs> uh, that's the that's actually the number one thing I don't want to have to respond to. That's fair. I get it. It's like that's great. That's uh, that's a that's a fun picture. Uh, <laughs> I don't really feel like having a reaction to it right now. I don't really know if I can conjure any emotions whatsoever about any sort of funny <laughs> picture that anybody wants to send me other than you know, what's great is now you know obviously with the iphone you can do you can you don't necessarily have to respond with words you can like react if you hover yeah you just react you give it a thumbs up or like a ha ha or a couple exclamation points you know that's that is sometimes the only commitment i'm able to give anything something something that somebody sends me that's like oh look at this funny thing <laughs> you know what's fucked up about the way my brain works okay tell me well one of the ways um so i use reactions pretty heavily like when responding in group texts or like responding to my mom or like if something's funny or i really like something and i want to give extra emphasis to it i absolutely use reactions but I am so afraid that everybody that uses reactions with me hates me or doesn't like me or doesn't want to talk to me or is brushing me off in some way. And it's like, that's kind of an unhealthy expectation to put on somebody else because you if you're texting them, you're probably not in the same room as them, meaning you have no idea what they're actually doing. So like they could be like really busy and just like going through their day and you've randomly sent them something and they reacted to it. Um, but I'm like so afraid that like, when people react to things and don't like text me afterwards that like they hate me, <laughs> but I'll do that to other people all the time. And I feel like really guilty about it. <laughs> Here's another thing is when, cause I use Instagram messenger a lot to talk to people, something that that's not entirely like what you're talking about, but I'm sure you can see the similarities is if I'm having a conversation with somebody where there aren't a lot of likes being thrown around on the messages it's like okay so they're having no emotional reaction to this whatsoever <laughs> so they hate everything i'm saying great <laughs> yeah and then there are those conversations where you know you're in a conversation with somebody that is prone to hitting that like a lot and then you get to a point where you send a message where they don't hit the like on that even though you think that they should and you're like well i guess i i, I guess they they really hated the thing i just had to say or they really don't care about me anymore. i don't mean anything to this person whatsoever or the opposite of that is, is this person an overliker as well? Does does uh, there are their likes meaningless because they've flooded the market with them? Oh no, I didn't even think about yeah. that before. Yeah. Oh no. So exactly. <laughs> now think about that in text conversations when you're like, oh, does this thumbs up actually mean anything? Is this ha ha just to, you know somebody trying to make me feel good? Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the show, guys. I need to go have a have an anxiety Think about attack. A lot of stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's rough. I'm sorry that like you go through that because like. Oh, oh, this is not even close to being like a, I'm sorry you go through that kind of a thing. No, <laughs> this is, this that is. is like, this is so. No, it really isn't. I'm gonna stop you right there and say like I don't need. I don't. Of, of all the things I need support on in my life, this is not one of those things. Okay. That's fine. I will not offer you support on this one thing. Yeah, because honestly, if I'm accepting support on this, then that itself then devalues all the other things that I that I need support for. Because then it's like, boy, Andy sure needs a, a lot of a, 
and he needs a lot of backup uh, for for a variety of different things in his life. Like let's let's try to keep those like the real important things, like the re- the real heavy hitters. You know, whether or not I'm overthinking or underthinking, a like or a reaction to a message is, yeah, I'll I'll keep that as like. Um, okay, yeah, this is this is a personal thing that I'll that I'll deal with on my on my own time. Well, what I'll say is, if you need support with it at any time, big or small, I'll, I know where I know where to go. I'm here. <laughs> if I if I need you, <laughs> that's it. That's the show. <laughs> now you, we're you actually mean the episode's over. <laughs> okay. Boy, every week it seems like we're about to end the show. I know. Hmm. So. <laughs> How are you doing this week? Well, pretty good. I, since Tuesday, when we, like, spoke on, like, while recording. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, we we only spoke, we only just recorded our last episode, like, a few days ago, <laughs> or it just feels like a few days ago. Yeah. Since then, I've been pretty much okay. Um, you know, Trevor is still continuing to, like, feel better. Um, he's he's still experiencing some pain, which is anxiety-inducing for him. Um, and that's not fun. But all things considered, things haven't been bad. Um, I, I uh, am coming up on my two-year work anniversary, which the... The fact that I've worked anywhere for two years straight is just, like, mind-blowing to me because I've had so many jobs in my life. Um, and and the fact that I have one job right now is mind-blowing also because I've, like, had to have two jobs for a lot of my life. Um, or two or more jobs for a lot of my life. But um, I'm coming up on this two-year work anniversary, and, and every Friday my supervisor and I have a meeting where we talk about, like, what we need to celebrate for the week in like an area of like opportunity for the week. And in this week, instead of him telling me what he thought were the, the big wins and the big opportunities for the week, he wanted me to do that. And I, I was really struggling with what to say for the, like the big win of the week, because there wasn't anything like super huge that happened this week. Like I didn't complete a huge project or, um, I didn't close a bunch of, like, accounts like I normally do. Like, it was just kind of a, it was a kind of steady week. Like, good things happened, but nothing super, like, mega awesome. So, I I started out with an opportunity for the week. And after we were done, like, talking through that opportunity, uh, my supervisor said, you know, let's, um, let's talk about your, your win for the week. And I, I stopped and I was like, I don't really know <laughs> what my win was for the week. And he was like, what do you mean you don't know what your win was for the week? That's like that. No, we need to stop what we're doing right now and unpack that because that is not okay. Like you can't go through life being this hard on yourself and only giving yourself opportunities to grow and not celebrating what you've done. Like you deserve that. You, you do really great work. You deserve to celebrate something every week. And uh, I went on and I, I actually helped a, um, a new person at our company um, with video production. And, you know, video production is something that I've completely taught myself. Uh, and this person was like, hey, I really like the quality of your work. I would like to know what, how you do what you do so that I can replicate it for a different part of the company. And I was like, oh, yeah, like that's, you know, as long as that's what's on the table for everybody, that's totally fine with me. I'd be more than happy to help you out. 
Um, so I did that this week and I spent time teaching somebody else how to do something. And that was really re- rewarding because a lot of times at my job, I am, I am the youngest, um, and I'm, I'm the only woman. It's, it's a group of less than 10 people. So I feel like I'm the least smart person at the company. <laughs> like I'm smart, but on the sliding scale of least smart to most smart, I'm on the least end. And I don't, I don't speak up a lot. I don't feel like empowered to talk about a lot because I feel like everybody else knows just so much more about what we're doing than I do. And, and this is one area that I, I am the expert. I have done this myself. I have created like the, the branding as far as like our video production part of uh, my company goes. And that's all me. That's mine. I own that. I control that. So I am the only one that can teach somebody else how to do that. And that was kind of mind blowing for me. Um, and I unpacked that further with my supervisor and told him, like, I think the reason why I wasn't immediately sure of what, you know, I could say in this portion of the conversation is because that kind of fell out of my normal duties. Um, like this was something that I don't do day to day. I don't teach other people how to do things like this day to day. So this being considered a big win didn't occur to me because it fell outside of that like range of things that I do on a, on a weekly basis. Um, and that's like detrimental to me because I like uh, like my supervisor said, I deserve to celebrate what's happening week to week. I deserve to be proud of the work that I do and to be able to talk about that work that I do. So that was kind of an eye-opening moment for me. And I didn't realize that it was like being hard on myself. And then when he said that, it all kind of clicked into place. And I was like, oh yeah, I am like really hard on myself a lot of the time that I just, I don't realize it until it happens and somebody calls me on it because that's just like my normal mode of operation you don't you don't recognize that until someone points that out not all the time i just see it as being like self-critical and being realistic with myself about my faults um but people on the outside have seen that as like really self-critical and like like really self-critical and really you know down on myself and and that's valid like i (laughs) i tell myself all the bad things about myself all the time (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I remind you all the time that you're way too critical of yourself. How is this something that you've not picked up on yet as something that you can then like start telling yourself, you know, Anna Claire, you are that you are being really unfair to yourself right now. I forget that I can do that. Like I forget I I I'm, I'm so serious. Like I forget that's something that you can do. Like I I the way I was raised and the way that I have, you know, been taught a lot of my life is that you You can't be content with where you are. You have to keep pushing for like that next personal record, that next milestone, that next something. Like you have to keep pushing. You can't just rest on your laurels. Um, And that for me for a long time has translated into you can't be satisfied with the work that you do or you can't be satisfied with this aspect of yourself. You have to be constantly evolving and changing and growing and learning. And you can't just like sit back and say, hey, I've done a really good job on this thing. Well, I mean, in in a way that's actually a really good thing is to never be to never really rest to always be thinking I could be doing more. But I understand why that would be very harmful for you, because then you're never happy about anything. I mean, and also, I completely understand the idea of of finding it really difficult to be satisfied when things are just going normal. When when you you had just a there wasn't anything particularly you know 
great that happened. There wasn't anything bad that happened. It was just a normal week. And it's hard to it's it's hard to recognize and it's hard to celebrate the fact that, you know, sometimes things are just okay. And that's good, too. Yeah. And something that I told you earlier in the week and that spurred this conversation yesterday with my supervisor and I was our, our Wednesday check-in. And that's when he did his normal um, opportunity for growth, but also like a celebration kind of thing. And that's when he said, you know, on Friday, I want you to do the same thing. And and during that conversation, there, like, there wasn't a super huge opportunity for growth. Um, the, the biggest one for me is he wants me to speak out of turn more, which is a terrifying concept for me. Absolutely mortifying because I've been taught my whole life, you don't speak out of turn. (laughs) You don't do that. That's rude. So now like I'm challenging myself to like kind of break out of that box. And that's really, really hard. But for a lot of that conversation, my supervisor was complimenting me and telling me what a great job I have done and how proud he is of me, of the work that I have done and how much I've grown in the last six months with him being my supervisor. And I cried. That was my first reaction to being complimented heavily was crying about it because I have no other way to like accept compliments. I've been told my whole life that accepting compliments is bad and that you shouldn't do it. And that's, you know, being like proud and, you know, other adjectives that are descripting or describing words that are not necessarily bad things, but that I've been taught my whole life are bad things. And that that also was very eye opening to me, and I that's like I told my husband about it too. I was like, like I just I need to talk this out because this, like when I think about it, it like really messes with my head. And like all he was doing was complimenting me and telling me what a great job I've done. Why do I cry about this? Why am I so upset? And that be my first reaction, you know? So when are you going to start dumping these things that you've been? taught your entire life i mean i know that's a really easy question to ask but also you know you are you have been away from the place where you grew up all the people you grew up with for a while now so when do you what kind of a timeline do you see for yourself moving on from all of that well i will say that the the growth that i have gone through in the last six months with my work life have really impacted how I feel about myself in my personal life as well. And I mean, just to toot our own horn here, having a place where I'm able to get all of this shit out of my head every week is, is also extremely helpful in like unpacking why I do the things that I do and why I still hang on to certain things. And I've slowly been letting go of things that I was taught growing up. Um, there are some things I abandoned right off the bat and then I haven't looked back on, but a lot of the things that I, I was taught like in church have been really hard to let go of because it feels like a moral thing. Like if I, if I let go of this certain aspect of my previous life, I am a bad person. I am, I am bad and I will be looked at as bad, which is bullshit. That's not true. Um, but you you get that in your head, and it's still like a very scary thing. Um, there are a lot of times when something bad happens that I, I I I feel like I'm put right back into my childhood. I feel like a child that's done something bad, and slowly I've been trying to work through that and unpack that and like really dig in with myself and like understand the root cause of a lot of this stuff. Um, journaling has helped 
but I'm not quite where I want to be with everything. So I'm hoping that maybe continuing the growth with work will also help me to do that growth in my personal life as well, because it's been really helpful so far. So hopefully soon (laughs) is my answer, I guess. So what what would you say going going back to what what started this whole thing? What do you think is going to be a good method for you to to remind yourself that you can that 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 you don't have to be um self-critical that you or that you're a good way to remind yourself that you are perhaps too self-critical to remind yourself that you can you don't have to wait for people to tell you that you're being overly self-critical. I'm not sure. Um, Something that I think is going to be very helpful is I've gotten really into like affirmations lately. (laughs) And like, it sounds kind of hokey sometimes, but especially when I feel insecure about um, the the other situation with like checking social media for this one person, um, I have something that I repeat to myself every time I feel the urge to go and do something like check their social media and saying that out loud to myself has helped me stop that line of thinking a lot. Like recognizing that line of thinking and recognizing what has triggered me to go and do this thing or, or think about this thing has been really helpful. Um, there, the, the meditation app that I use, Headspace, has a series about, like, recognizing these behaviors that, like, get you stuck back in a hole or get you, you know, feeling badly about yourself for whatever reason. For me, it's largely been this thing that I've been dealing with for two years. And, and understanding, like, you know, what is the root cause of why you're doing the thing? What are the triggers that lead you into that line of thinking? And I think going through a similar exercise with the negative self-talk will be very helpful. Um, we'll see. That's something that I, I'm, I really want to start soon. I just haven't sat down and dedicated the time to it because everything else is more important than my relationship with myself, or so I tell myself. Um, but I um, I have a new journal that's going to be coming in the mail soon. I actually got one for me and for my husband. He wants to use his for doodling. Um, But I really want to just make time every night to sit down and journal and talk about my day and talk about how I'm feeling, even if it's just writing it down, you know, where nobody's going to read it. It's just for me. Um, So I'm hoping that going through that exercise and journaling will also help me recognize the places where... I start to fall down and get into that line of negative self-talk because once it starts, I'm just in it and it's really hard to pull myself out of. Like, even if I reach out to you or I reach out to my husband and I'm like, hey, I'm really struggling with this thing. Like, I need help getting out of this, like, hole that I've dug for myself. Even, like, the help from you guys is not always, like, super helpful because it's not coming from myself. Like, I, I, you, you guys can't fill in the hole that I've dug for myself. I have got to be the one to fill it in. So I've got to learn how <laughs> not to dig the hole in the first place. That's a really good point because you're, you're right in that you can't always solve your problems by going, by going to other people. Um, you know, we, we do this show where we, we try to offer people advice about various, various different things. But at the, at the end of the day, the only person who can really 100% heal you 
is you. Um, that's a that's a thing I, I also say about therapy is like therapy is is not going therapy is not what's actually going to uh, heal you. Therapy, uh, a ther- what a therapist is going to do is give you the tools to help you heal yourself. Um, and that is why, you know, not I wouldn't say everybody is 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 right in going is right in going to therapy or or that that is going to be a solution for for all people. Uh, therapy is not a, a, a panacea that that just works, uh, you know, you know, 100% ac- uh, across the board, you know, it's, you have to, at the end of the day, the, the only person that is entirely responsible for your healing is yourself. And that's the hard thing about like, the realizations about therapy as someone who has been through some therapy myself. Uh, the the times that i were that i was most successful was when i took the tools that the therapist was showing me and used them for myself and i think that's a you know i don't i don't want to sit here and like come off as i'm like bashing therapy whatsoever because i'm not listen if that's what you need that's what you need and that's fine like i don't want I, nobody deserves to be shamed for that but at the same time, like there is work that you are going to have to do yourself. Going to a therapist or seeking help for yourself is not about necessarily somebody fixing you. It's about getting the tools that you need to fix yourself. Because yeah, nobody else is going to be able to put you back together better than you. And nobody has nobody has the glue strong enough. Like you are, you're going to have to put put yourself back together. And that's a hard thing. That's a scary thing to do to admit that like you have to do it yourself and like you are responsible for for putting yourself back together and it's hard it's hard work yeah it's work that's that's the thing is if you if you actually want to get better if there's a problem in your life you know in terms of like your your own uh mental health you are going to have to work on it nobody's going to do that work for you yeah and that's been a hard thing to admit to myself i've struggled with that for a long time because i've you know i've I was raised in a in a in a culture that tells you that somebody else is going to fix your problems and that like you somebody like the grace of somebody else covers your problems and like in in a very real way that's just not true you know like there you you are responsible for your actions and for your words and for what you do oh, that is uh, completely something that that I believe and that I've told other people is if if you if you walk this earth you are responsible for yourself. There is there is nothing else that is responsible for you, which is why it's such an attractive thing to people. You know, uh, religion and and you know I've spoken about in this show why why I didn't find that Alcoholics Anonymous was was the right program for me because these are these are things that take the responsibility out of your hands and that's a relief for people. Mm-hmm. But that that's not how life works. Right. You are responsible for yourself. If you are you are part of you are part of this world, whether you like it or not. And you you have to take responsibility for your own actions. You're responsible for how you treat yourself and for how you treat other people. I haven't. Uh, I, I'm not really somebody that has uh, affirmations and, and and mantras. But I've I've had a I've had a couple um, that you know every once in a while when I when I need it I will re- remind myself of um, one that I came up with, and they're they're both. Uh, introspective, self-reflective, self—you know, self-healing kind of uh, mantras, affirmations. Um, the first one is um, this is back when I, I 
my life uh, and I talked a lot about about this on last week's episode when my life fell apart several several years ago um, because I had had uh, gotten myself really really deep into uh, over over drinking um, and I was trying and it, during that time it's a very chaotic uh, it's very chaotic for for your mental stability because you you have ingested so many chemicals that have altered your brain chemistry while when those are no longer there i mean your your mind is 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 reeling i mean you go through so many different emotions and feelings that that are either rational or 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 irrational and your your mind is is kind of it's it's like a, a broken mirror um and something that i started to tell myself to try and feel better because there were there were days where i wasn't feeling good. And then there were days where I was feeling all right, but I was worried that the next day I might not be feeling great. Um, so what I, I started to tell myself on the days where I was feeling good, but I was worried about tomorrow is like right now in this moment, I am, I am safe right now. And whatever may happen tomorrow is something I'll deal with tomorrow. On the flip of that, on the days where I wasn't feeling good and you know, I wasn't sure what the the next day was going to bring. I'd say to myself, you're not feeling good right now, but tomorrow's a, a different day and you you might feel better then. So I kind of covered myself in, in both directions, which was, you know, I'm going to be safe either way. I'm either going to be safe later or I'm safe right now. Another thing that I have to tell myself every once in a while, and it, it comes with like a... Um, like a, a disconnect between like uh, mind and and self um, where you look at your you look at who you are as as you know being kind of separate from from your mind there are times when I'll be spiraling for uh, one reason or another and that part of me I look at myself as being separate as like a whole separate uh, a whole separate person out, outside of me and and that's the person who's, who has to come and tell me it's like don't worry I've got you you know you're you're safe right now I, I've, I've, I've got hold of you it's gonna be all right so those are the kinds of things that that I've done that I've used and that I use every once in a while to to kind of keep myself you know feeling 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 safe and that's that's what you're talking about in terms of you need to you need to start with yourself in terms of you know um, uh, prioritize, prioritization um, and if you are making sure that 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 you're safe that you're doing well um, then everything else outside of that will follow. That's exactly right. I agree with everything you just said. That makes total sense. So there's nothing. Much going on with me this week. I mean, much like there wasn't uh, all that much going on with you because we we only uh, recorded our last episode back on Tuesday and now it's Saturday. Um, you know, I've just been getting the new apartments set up. Um, I had I, uh, the the um, job that I was talking about in the last episode that I was going to be doing. Um, I should be I should be starting soon. Uh, within the the next couple of weeks, so that's good. Uh, you know, it's a good job that's going to have you know good money that I can do remotely. Um, outside of that, oh, I started get, getting back into cooking again in this new place. I did that last night. I filled the sink completely with dishes, and I 
oh, because I don't have a dishwasher. Uh, that's horrible. Um, that is something that I'm going to have to be very mindful of going forward is that I just can't use every pot and pan and whatever in the kitchen just to make a whole meal from scratch. It's going to be kind of impossible to avoid that. But now that I don't have a dishwasher, I'm going to have to be a little more careful. Um, and then outside of that, like specifically just right now, this morning, well, I've been drinking a lot more coffee lately because I've got a little coffee maker. Um, and I, it hasn't, like I was telling you before we started recording, like it hasn't really, the coffee hasn't really made me feel that much more energetic. In fact, I feel like I crash very quickly from coffee. So right now I've had, uh, two cups kind of like right before we started recording and I feel exhausted. Like I feel exceptionally low energy right now. Um, and it's kind of made me before we started uh, recording today, I was like, God, maybe we should, if it was okay with Anna Claire, maybe we should, uh, record these in the evenings when I've had a whole day's worth of energy to like really, really build me up because like some of these mornings is just kind of like, I have absolutely no energy whatsoever. <laughs> I understand that. I definitely understand that. <laughs> and I don't want to go into these episodes going like, God, can we please just like get through get through this episode because I just want I need to lie down. <laughs> also, it's a little warm in my apartment right now because uh, I clo I closed all the windows uh, because I didn't want the threat of sounds in the sounds of the city uh, bleeding into the recording, even though I'm pretty sure, you know, it seems like a very quiet Saturday. The um the construction nearby has stopped, I guess, for the weekend. Um, and even though I'm pretty close to the the, the red line here, um, it doesn't seem to really be making all that much noise. So at some point during the recording, I may just get up and go open up the windows because it's like I, I'm like I'm just it's starting to feel like just a little too uncomfortably warm. Like the apartment has held a lot of the heat. Uh, from from yesterday, I'm really looking forward to to you know when it gets colder later in the week because I mean that that is my preferred. That's something else that makes me feel very sluggish is being too warm. Like the, I cannot I cannot really operate above a certain temperature. I start I start to really shut down. I am very much the same way, and it's funny that you said that because I so I record from my bedroom and typically. I have, if I am in the bedroom, I have a fan on me, like full blast all the time. I, I also work from my bedroom, um, 90% of the time. So I, I'm very used to being in here and having a fan on and like just chilling out. Uh, I'm also a, a very naturally hot person. Um, I just, I can't, I sweat all the time and I hate sweating so I keep it as, as cool as Trevor will let me <laughs> because he's naturally cold person. Um, well, I, and that still blows I, my I mind. I just want to know what that feels like, man. Um, <laughs> me too. It would be so I hate great. I sweating so much. I don't like it. It makes me feel icky and gross. Um, now I, what I hate more is, is not, not being sweaty. I mean, like I, I hate <sighs> that. I hate feeling clammy. I, yes, I also hate that. Um, it's a gross feeling. I hate it so much. Um, but when we record, I turn my fan off because I, you know, don't want that to come across in the recording. I don't want you have to get, have to go through the grief of trying to edit that out. That's really annoying. I know, which I, of, of which I'm uh, very grateful because there have been times in the past where I think 
there was some some there are every once in a while there are some sounds in the background where I've had to really go go hard at editing and trying to get those sounds out um, and then you end up on your side of things you you end up sounding a little bit tinnier than I do there are some episodes yeah. in our in our you know uh, what is now going to be 14 episode catalog where you you do not sound uh, you do not have the same fidelity uh, as 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 my end, um, just because I've had to really try hard uh, to take out some sounds on your end. So I'm grateful that you've <laughs> turned the fan off, even though I know that that would make you so much more comfortable. Yeah, like I've done that. <laughs> yeah, I've done so many different um, podcast recordings. You know, for for my other show, where I've gone places where. It's been in the middle of summer and I've had to tell the person that I'm recording with or the people that I'm recording with is like, okay, we're going to have to really try and absorb the air conditioning right now and think cool thoughts uh, for the next (laughs) hour and a half, two hours. Um, But I have had, you know, several different episodes of that show that I've recorded where I have been in the middle of it, pouring sweat. Oh, God. There was, yeah, there was an episode I recorded uh, with the band Black Rock, um, Two two years ago, no, not two years ago. It was it was last um, last August, and it was a oh. 90, 90 plus day with um, very high humidity as well. And I'd gotten there, and you know, immediately after uh, getting set up, I was like, okay, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to turn the air conditioning off. And throughout, I'd say the first half hour to 45 minutes of that recording, I was dripping with sweat, which doesn't look uh, professional um, <laughs> when you are essentially a uh, a music journalist interviewing a band. You know, who would want to interview anybody of, of any um, note or fame when you're sitting there and you're just you've got sweat dripping off of your face. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know how I would do anything like this if I still lived in the South because it's just too hot. Like I, I no, <laughs> the, and that's something we're going to have to, we're going to run into, uh, you know, it's going to be months and months and months from now. Cause luckily we're heading into, into fall. But you know, if we were, if we were doing this right now, like if, if I was, if we were recording this this show like uh, midsummer, and I was in this place, and I have an air conditioner here, but you know I wouldn't be able to turn it on because you know that would be way too loud in the background. Like I would be, I, I don't know how we would do it. So I'm not looking forward to next summer. <laughs> well, we have to get there first, so tomorrow will worry about itself. <laughs> tomorrow will worry about itself i like that i listen sometimes i just like have to hold on to that like you know what tomorrow will worry about itself all i have to do is get through what's happening right now (laughs) the shorter version of that that i say to myself sometimes is that that's a that's a tomorrow problem (laughs) that's a future andy problem Yeah. And future Andy, uh, he's usually pretty angry at past Andy. Uh, I feel that. <laughs> past past Andy has actually more often than not put a put a lot of um, faith in the capability of, of uh, future Andy handling, um, uh, you know, a lot more than future Andy maybe maybe uh, wanting to deal with at certain times. 
So this week, it's my it was my turn to choose the discussion topic, and it's something I've teased the past two episodes, and it's talking about uh, what is your self-medication. Um, and I know I've talked uh, about my own at times experiencing self-medication. I mean, what how I labeled um, my problem with drinking is definitely self-medication because that's exactly what I was using it for. But there are tons of... of you know, even smaller things that we do throughout the day or, or things that are not like, um, I think I even said in the last episode, you know, that, uh, not all self-medication is, is substance abuse. You know, there are, there are little ways that we either try to help ourselves or self self sabotage ourselves through, through self-medication. You know, there are lots of different versions of self-medication that are, you know, good, good and bad for us. Um, so I, I wanted I wanted to talk a lot more about that this week, um, and if you're if you're if you're comfortable with it, what uh, what is your what what have you identified as your your versions of uh, self medication? So self medication for me has evolved a lot over the years. Um, for a while, it was alcohol, and then I <laughs> something changed with my migraines, and now I I can't drink it makes me incredibly sick. Even if I have like a beer, I feel like horrible almost within 30 minutes. Um, so that's not, <laughs> that's not an option anymore. Um, but it was never to like the point of huge detriment. It was just like, I would drink by myself when I was alone in my house because I didn't want to be alone in my house. And if I had alcohol, I wasn't alone. Um, and then it morphed into just wanting to be asleep for long periods of time. Um, and I I had a problem with <laughs> drinking lots of NyQuil um, and just making myself sleep. I was, I was in a huge depression and that was one of the ways that I just avoided everything. Well, I just slept. I just, nobody, I just, I just took long naps. Can't be sad if I'm not awake. Can't be sad if I'm, if I'm not awake. If I'm dreaming, I'm not sad. Sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, that's, yeah, that for you, that's not yeah. really true at all. You have a lot of bad dreams. <laughs> that's true. Um, so that was kind of what I've done, what I did for a while. Um, dyeing my hair is absolutely self-medication. I love dyeing my hair. And we just talked about this off air, but this is the longest I've ever gone not dyeing my hair since I was like a senior in high school. Um, I, I love dyeing my hair and I love kind of like reinventing myself and I've learned yeah, that I that's, know, I know people like that. Yeah. And that's like, that's a self-medication thing for me. Like if I dye my hair, I'm not the same person I was two days ago. I'm a different person now. Um, making large purchases was one for a while where if I had any amount of money that I can spend on something expensive, I was going to, um, and that has dialed down a lot, but I do sometimes just make like frivolous purchases just because, because it still does make me feel like a little bit better about things, but it's not like buying my then boyfriend a set of AirPods for Valentine's Day because I had the money. <laughs> that was like the first big gift that I ever gave Trevor was I just like got him a pair of AirPods for Valentine's Day one year and surprised him with them. And he was like, you just like dropped this money on this? And I was like, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> smash cut to me. Okay, that's definitely, that's definitely not the way you said it at the time. <laughs> no, but that's like what it felt like. I felt very yeah. manic. 
Um, so like that was definitely a coping mechanism and self-medication for a long time, because if I could feel, if I could fill the hole within myself with expensive things, I felt better about myself. Um, and and then of course, like smash cut to me crying in my bed with a new iPhone, you know, like just still incredibly depressed and sad and not not well by any means but um oh it's it's so it's so awful when you make a big purchase like that and you 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 hedge so many bets on like okay this is gonna this is gonna solve everything mm-hmm. and you're like wait why isn't why isn't this object why hasn't it healed me i know i know uh yeah that was a big one for me for a long time and and like i said i still make like making purchases like that does help me feel a little bit better. Like it does get me out of a slump for a while. Um, but now it's things like, oh, I'll go buy like a, a new like pack of pins at Walmart or like Target <laughs> or I'll buy some new markers or something like that. Something that's like, you know, probably a little more money than I should be spending at the moment. But it's something that like I'm going to be I'm going to use a number one first and foremost it's something that I am going to use um and it's not just going to be something that I buy in the moment and then never do I've gotten a lot better about making it's a practical yeah I've gotten a lot better about making intentional (laughs) purchases rather than uh irrational purchases so that's something that I've I've gotten I've, I've used more as a tool to like get myself out of a slump for the time being so that I can actually like work on myself um, yeah, it's just a little, just a little hit yeah. to get you to get you through yeah. the moment. Um, but then I also I'm a huge uh, self medicator with food. I always have been. Um, you know, you hear like the the trope of like the emotional eater who just like f- fills all all their sad parts with food. And yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna eat my feelings. Yeah, and I mean I, I still do. Um, I've like a lot of things. I've kind of learned what triggers that, and I kind of steer myself away from it because a lot of things that I go to when I want to emotionally eat like an entire container of Panera mac and cheese. Um, you know, maybe that much dairy, uh, for someone who is lactose intolerant like myself, isn't a great idea. Maybe that's not the best idea that I've ever had (laughs) because I'm probably not going to feel super good later. Um, I, you know, I've, I've gotten better about like the choices that I make when I want to eat emotionally. Like it's more like things that are going to make me feel better, um, or things that I know have like, you know, they give me energy and they, they help me feel like more productive. Um, I've gotten better at doing that. Or like, for instance, I'll take like a smaller portion of the thing that I wanted and like, just use that to like, once again, like get myself out of the slump and like eat the thing that I really wanted to eat, but I'm not eating an entire thing of Panera mac and cheese. And then I'm I'm in gastric distress for the rest of the night. That kind of, that kind of evolving is the way that I've been going. But uh, as with all things, sometimes I fuck up real bad and I eat the entire container of Panera mac and cheese and I'm on the toilet for the rest of the night. So how much how much is a a Panera paying us again? I can't remember. (laughs) Man, I wish they were. (laughs) In mac and cheese. In in mac and cheese and in broccoli and cheddar soup. Oh, that would be the dream. (laughs) That's the dream sponsor. (laughs) So Panera, if you're listening, please pay us. In mac and cheese and broccoli and cheese soup. Pay Anna Claire and those things. I'll I'll take the cash. So if you can find <laughs> out what the the exchange rate is between 
you know, the mac and cheese and the broccoli cheddar soup and cash. So we, you know, so we're getting equal portions of each, you know, let's, let's figure that That's out. That's fair. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if we can really force this sponsorship. If we could strong arm our way into a, a sponsorship with Panera. Yeah. When I do the social media posts for this episode, I'll make sure to tag them a lot. Oh my God, please. Listen, there are a few things that I love doing more than crying into a bowl of Panera mac and cheese. I like so serious. Sometimes that is like the most cathartic thing. <laughs> Just like crying about whatever's happening and also eating delicious, delicious Panera mac and cheese. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we might have to read different copy uh, for, <laughs> to really if we really want to nail this sponsorship down. <laughs> nothing, be- nothing better than crying into a nice bowl of Panera mac and cheese. <laughs> read in that voice. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, yeah. There's there's the other note. I'll do the reading. <laughs> I'll just I'll, be laughing in the a, background. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring a, a gravitas to it that maybe your complete honesty has not so far. <laughs> so what else? What else besides uh, big purchases or, or really just buying anything in general? Food. Uh, what what else do you use as self medication? I have used uh, well. Okay, something that has been very like self-medication e for me not so much anymore but something that i have used a lot in the past is just going for a drive um with music on like when i lived in memphis i just sometimes i just really didn't like my life so i would like to get myself out of that headspace i would just go get in my car and i would make this loop that i would always drive it just looped right back around to my house um a few miles And I would just turn on some music and play it really loud and have the windows down and just drive for a little bit. And that would usually help, like, get me out of that headspace, get some fresh air, you know, go do something. Um, And it was usually late at night, so not a lot of people were out, so I could go a little fast. Um, And it was like that, that was something that I used pretty heavily uh, for self medication. I, <laughs> I go back to food. I One of the biggest ways that I used to self-medicate when I lived in Memphis specifically was when I would get off work, I would drive right to Zaxby's, which is this chicken restaurant that is pretty popular in the South that I love. And I would go through and I would get the same thing every time. I would get like the, I think it's the five wing meal with their original sauce, extra toast, no celery or vegetables because it makes everything kind of yucky on the inside when it has to be transported and get one of their big sweet teas. And I would just go home and eat that and like, just take a nap. I would like, like you can ask Trevor almost every day that I came home from work, at least the last month that I worked at the bank that I worked at, I would do the exact same thing. I would go get Zaxby's and I would go home and I would eat it and I would take a nap. Um, and that was just the way that I cope with life at that point. Um, because like I, I was about to move. I was like, just kind of having a meltdown about everything in my life. And I, Zaxby's filled that hole for me. So I would have Zaxby's in a nap. Um, boy, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, we'll see if we secure the Panera sponsorship as well as the Zaxby's sponsorship. Uh, well, there are just very specific foods that are so comforting and like have like 
become that comfort food. Um, are you are you spiraling right now? Look, come down to Zaxby's. We'll fill you with so much chicken. You'll for, you'll forget at least for you know the first few minutes that that you're having a tough day right now. Zaxby's in a nap. That's all you need. Zaxby's. That's that's the thing. Is Zaxby's in a nap? Like the Zaxby's is healing on its own. The nap is healing on its own. But you put those two things together. See, there's the line. Zaxby's. It's healing on its own. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I would say the majority of mine has been like food and like getting ways to sleep. Um, because if I'm not conscious, I can't be actively depressed. Um, so I've used like various things over the years to, to make myself sleep, whether that's, you know, whether that's the alcohol, whether that's eating a big meal, cause you feel sleepy after you eat a big meal, whether that's medication like NyQuil or, you know, Dramamine or, you know, some other kind of medication that makes you drowsy. Um, if it, if it was there and I had access to it, I would take it and I would just, I would sleep because the only thing that's ever like, the only thing that's ever like stayed constant in my life is that if I'm asleep, I'm okay. Like if I'm asleep, I can't be upset about whatever's going on. If I'm asleep, I can't think about this person who has hurt me multiple times over my life and I don't have to deal with any of that. If I'm asleep, I'm okay. Yeah, I I was um, months and months and months ago when things were not going so great for me that I people are aware of if they've been listening to this show now for 14 episodes. Um, a lot of those days, um, the number one thing I looked forward to was sleep. Yeah. Even though I knew it's like at most this is going to be what, like like eight hours and I'm not even going to be awake to enjoy it. I'm going to be asleep. This this thing that I'm looking forward to, I'm going to at some point close my eyes and wake up and it's going to be like I time traveled to a whole new day mm-hmm. where a whole new you know where all the same problems are going to you know come right back at me. So it was kind of a very silly thing to look forward to is this thing that I'm just going to miss most of it. And like it's a it's a really depressing thing to like say out loud <laughs> and admit to myself because like I have used that as as medication for so for so long but i mean even now like i still do that and it's kind of it's changed a little bit that that thing as a whole has also changed because um for the for the migraines that i have and when i have like or when i'm feeling bad when like my body hurts or my head hurts specifically the first thing i do is sleep because nine times out of ten if i take a nap and i wake up i will feel better um so I, my relationship with sleep has changed a little bit, but I still use that as self-medication. Or if I'm like, if I'm bored out of my head and like can't figure out what to do, I'll just go take a nap. <laughs> um, to just like get that time out of my hands. I, I think it's funny how you framed sleep as time travel because it's exactly how I've used it. Is like, okay, if I don't like where I'm at right now in life, I can just take a nap and then I'll be in the future and then everything will be better. Yeah, unfortunately for, you know, for, for me, you know, several months ago, the, the future was not, not too, it was, was not far ahead enough in the future. Yeah. Uh, for like, if I could have honestly uh, fallen, fallen asleep then and, and woken up today and skipped the entire summer. I, that is the kind of time travel I, I would have loved. Oh, yeah. Even though it's like I I would, of course, you, you have to recognize the fact that, you know, it's all the stuff in between that actually turns you into, you know, the, the person that you 
become. You know, you have to go. You have to experience all these things. You can't just time travel past all the problems. As 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 much as it hurts you, that hurt actually ends up helping you. Even though it's really hard to recognize that at the time, and and you know, truthfully, if if you had. Uh, you know, the option, you'd probably, you'd probably skip it, you know, every single time. If you had the option to skip having to experience all that hurt, you would. And and when that, and that's what really self-medication is. It's like, boy, I'd really like to skip this part right now. What can I use to help me get through it? And another thing you're missing out on, even though, I mean, you, you talked about it earlier in the show, but not within the context of the self-medication, you know, for, for both you and I, the, the checking of the social media stuff, that is a, a, a version of self-medication. It's a, it's a negative version of self-medication. And it's like I said on last week's episode, it's like not everything that you become addicted to is something that's going to produce a positive feeling. You can, you can become addicted to negative behavior and, and negative feelings. What other uh, negative self-medication things do you go through as well? Um, again, a lot of the self-medication stuff for me now is like <laughs> sleep. But in the past, I have used like picking fights as a self-medication tactic. Like um, specifically in regards to relationships. Um, if I could, like if things were going bad... And this relationship was making me feel very depressed. Um, it would be super easy to pick a fight and to not have to deal with that relationship anymore. Instead of just like admitting to myself that maybe I was not in the best relationship for me, I would just pick a fight and make it miserable for myself. So I could complain to everybody and tell everybody, oh, like, look at like this horrible way that I'm being treated Um, which like, (laughs) it was a horrible way that I was being treated, but also like, I wasn't doing anything to help that situation. I was actively making that situation worse for myself and then blaming the entirety of it on the other person. And that's like, that's not fair to anybody in that relationship. It should have just ended. Like it should have just been done, but I would pick fights and make things horrible so that then I had an outlet to like, to reach out to somebody for support. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I, I was on the other side of that this year. <laughs> yeah, and like it's not fun for anybody involved. Like I zero out of ten would not recommend that. Um, <laughs> it's not it's not good. Zero zero out of ten. Yeah, no no stars for that one. That sucks. Um, but yeah, I I would use picking fights as a way to like not have to deal with things. Um. I I also I I never really considered it self medication, but I am a chronic avoider. Like if something is happening and I just like don't want to deal with it, I will just completely avoid the, the thing and altogether. Yeah, that I what I what I really want to impress upon people with this episode is that self medication, as in 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 the ways where you know. Uh, Self-medication in terms of what we use to self-medicate, it is a huge field of, of different options. You know, you may not recognize it immediately, but we all do these little things that count as self-medication. So yeah, procrastination, avoiding things, that is that is self-medication. That is you making, it's, it's, it's an inside decision that you're making, but it, what the decision that you're making is that it's going to be healthier for you to pursue that path than, than the other. And nine times out of 10, it was not a good decision like I should have just dealt with the thing and moved on like how I was talking about the the picking fights thing like I should have I shouldn't have avoided what was actually happening and I should have just like 
dealt with it. But I was too afraid. I was scared of what like would happen afterwards. Um, like I would, <laughs> then I would be alone and I would have to like <laughs> talk to people. That's it's terrifying. Um, so yeah, it was like, it, it was just a bad cycle that I would put myself in of like being sad and not wanting to be sad anymore. So I would pick a fight. So I would be angry instead of sad but, like, none of those things produced happiness. None of those things produced, like, what I was actually wanting was to, like, be loved and be taken care of and be told that, like, I'm worth going through, like, this bullshit with. Um, and, like, nobody should have to put up with that. Like, that's not that's not a thing that anybody should have to do. So it was just a bad cycle. <laughs> and I'm really glad that I have mostly gotten myself out of that. Like, there are definitely times when, like, I feel that flare up in me and I'm like, you know what? I could pick a fight right now if I wanted to. Like, I, I, I could. And you know what? I'd probably have, like, a good reason to be in a fight right now. But also, like, that wouldn't... Not only would that end up just hurting me, that would also end up really hurting the other person. And, like, what is that even worth? You know? Is it worth me feeling even worse about this? than I did before. And nine times out of 10, the answer is no. We share a lot of the self-medicating tendencies. Um, you know, the, the big ones that stand out, uh, food and, and spending money, which often for me kind of tend to go hand in hand. Um, years ago when I was living in a different apartment, um, I, I found myself in this cycle of instead of just going out buying groceries and really teaching myself how to cook a variety of different meals that could last a lot longer, I would drop, you know, $20, $30, you know, either every day during a week or, or every other day on, you know, pizza, Chinese food, or just whatever was available. Because, you know, you live in the city of Chicago and there's, you know, almost any time of day you want to get something, uh, you know, that'll, that'll, that'll fill you up. Uh, that's not entirely healthy for you, you can get it whenever you want. And that's that's a very enticing thing. It's like not only am I self-medicating by not having to put the effort in to cook something, um, I can just sit here and wait for it to get here. And then I get to just eat this unhealthy thing. And that's going to that's gonna solve all my problems. Um, and I got myself into a considerable amount of debt um, because I, well, that, that was part of it. Um, but also because, you know, I just thought, okay, if I buy certain objects, if I just buy different things, you know, this'll, this will, you know, I will, I will be able to coast on that good feeling for a while. And, you know, with the food and with, you know, buying things is like, God, that really doesn't last a very long time. Um, and then you just put yourself in a deeper and deeper hole because you realize, okay, none of this is, is actually helping me. Um, and it's this, it's the same thing as with, uh, with the drinking is like, it's a, it's should be, if you're going to use that as self-medication, you know, make it, make all your self-medications like a bandaid. It's not supposed to be a, a you know, a full body cast that you're going to wear for a while. Um, and that's what a lot of these things become for people. Um, the, the, uh, something that I, uh, it's something that I recognized and something that I started to tell people when I knew they were going through moments of self-medication or, or whatever they were going through. It's like, when you need medicine for your medicine, that's when you've hit a problem. That's when you've taken things too far. And that can, that, I mean, I applied that to, to drinking, but that can be applied to 
anything that's self-medicating you when you are relying on your self-medication to what you when you're relying on something that's supposed to be temporary as a, as a permanent thing you're not you're going to get yourself into deeper and deeper trouble because the more you do that the more you recognize how hollow it is um and i and this is not me decrying self-medication because you know you need to do these things for yourself sometimes you need to take sometimes either like little little shortcuts or or have these these momentary pauses from what you're going through is like I would not entirely say that if somebody is sad and they have a drink to get over that sadness, that that is inherently a terrible thing. Because if it if, if it gets them through that moment just then, the most damaging thing that could be happening to them in that moment is having to go through the pain that they're that they're going through. Now, are they consistently using that to dull their pain completely over an extended period of time? If, if that's what they're doing, then yes, that's when I think that it becomes unhealthy. But there are moments when sometimes you really need to just get yourself out of a certain headspace and it's not always going to be entirely possible for you to just rationalize your way into that healthy headspace. And sometimes you do need to take a little, you need to cheat a little, you need to, you need to, you know, take a, take a little shortcut. Um, I don't think that it's, inherently wrong that somebody somebody does that um you know you just but you have to be the number one thing you have to be very conscious of is like how far are you taking this like to this isn't actual medicine what you're doing right now this is this is really honestly supposed to be just a, a band-aid you know that you're supposed to you know use as protection while a, while a, while a cut heals um but you can't put a band-aid on a larger problem and hope that, that you know, that's just gonna, that's gonna solve it. Or, or you just can't, you know, put a, put a bandaid over, over something that isn't going to, isn't going to heal right just by having a, you know, a, a bandaid over it. Um, you, what you need to do is, is while you have, while you have that bandaid, if it's, you know, it's, if it's something, you know, small enough in that moment where a bandaid will, will cover it, you've got to use that temporary relief, to search out for something that that's going to be more of a more of a, a, a permanent solution for you, um, whatever whatever that may be. Like I, I use so many different things in my life as self medication, like just little little moments here and there. Like I have uh, used caffeine as self medication. I have, like you said, used procrastination as self medication. There are so many things in my life that I do as, uh, that I view as, as self, self medicating behavior. Um, canceling plans, uh, can be very self medicating, can put you in a, a, a better headspace. Um, there is, there is no limit to the number of things that you do that could be considered self-medicating. If it's something that, that you're using in that moment to, to have, to, to feel some relief, you know, um, and there are like, we've, like we've both said that there are, you know, um, things that are going to be less detrimental to your overall health. And there are going to be things that are going to be more detrimental to your overall health. Um, and you just have to be careful with, with anything, uh, that involves self-medication. The number one thing you just have to keep, be mindful of is that you are being careful with yourself. Um, because self-medication, uh, and I can hundred percent attest to this is, is if you, if it's taken too far, you will end up putting yourself in a worse place than you were before. It's very dangerous to, to self-medicate. And, and, you know, the, the line I will repeat, no matter what your self-medication is, 
if you get yourself to a point where you need medicine for your medicine, that's when you need to stop. That's when you really need to to take a step back and and look at what, honestly what you're doing to yourself because you may be trying to heal from damage other people have done to yourself but if you've put yourself in a situation where you now have to heal from damage you've you've done to yourself i mean that's that you you put yourself in a situation that you maybe didn't need to be in the first place um and even if you were the initial person who put yourself in a in a bad headspace or 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 you know put yourself in the place where you need to self-medicate from from yourself don't then double down on the things that you need to feel bad about yourself you know you you, you could have it just in the first place just solved the initial problem dealt with with the hurt in that moment and then move forward but then now if you you know this goes for whatever reasons that you're you you got into self-medicating behavior in the first place is don't put yourself in a place where you have to solve two things at once the initial problem and now the problem that's been caused by self-medication that's a that's a hard realization to make too is like the thing that i was using to make myself feel better is actually making my life exponentially worse that's like that's such a hard thing to come to grips with because i've I've been there. Listen, <laughs> I woke up and I saw NyQuil bottles just littering my floor. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this, so this is, this is how I've, you know, this is what I've done to myself. And like, it was, it was very bad for my body. Um, and what was your, what was your immediate reaction to that when you, when you saw that? Was, were, were you immediately resolute to, I, I, I have to not do this again? Or did you feel so much guilt that you're like... Boy, the only way I'm going to be able to get through feeling this guilt is grabbing another bottle. My immediate reaction was, oh, shit. And I would go through this intense period of shame and feeling horrible about what I'd done and, like, what I was doing to myself. And I would feel horrible. Like, physically, I would feel horrible because I had so much NyQuil in my body. I had, like, stomach ulcers for a while because I was taking in so much NyQuil. Um, and I never told anybody that it was the NyQuil that was doing it, but... That's what it was. And, but then I would go back to it. You know, something else like really hard would happen and I would be super depressed again and I would just go right back to it. Because you, you, yeah, you get used to, you get used to, you know, when you finally find the thing that is very reliable in terms of taking away painful feelings, it's hard to let that go. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's a hard thing to just like, it's a hard thing to move past. Because you get used to like, you you get used to the shame of it too. Like you get used to feeling like horrible about yourself. And then that also feeds into this like horrible depression you're in that you're like trying to get over using this thing as medication. And it's it's a horrible cycle that you get yourself into. And it's a hard cycle to get out of. Um, you know, once you dig that hole and it gets way over your head, you can't see your way out. I mean, it, it's... It's it's like a it's like a it's like a slide, you know. Addiction is not a staircase where you can walk down or walk up. It's a slide. It it only goes in in one direction. And at some point, you've got to decide: Do I keep riding this down, or do I jump off at some point? Yeah. For me, uh, I was, you know, and I've said this uh, on other episodes. The the thing I was fighting with with the uh, well, I was fighting several things, self medicating with with alcohol. Um, but a, a big thing was that I was fighting anxiety and depression, and I got to a certain point um, while, while I was really deep into drinking, where I thought to myself, "Am I unhappy? Am I uh, depressed because 
or am I am I am I drinking because I'm unhappy or depressed, or am I unhappy or depressed because I'm drinking? And when I got to that point, and I couldn't I couldn't tell the difference anymore. It's like, well, how am I ever going to find out? You know, because I'm I'm so deep into this right now, where I don't know if I can really stop, or I don't know if I can really slow down. And when you get to the point where you don't know if you can stop or slow down. You, then I honestly convinced myself it would be fine if I drank myself to death. You know, I, I, that was at the latest possible like moment w- uh, when I was really deep into it. Um, that is, uh, you know, right before I had to stop completely. Um, I was actually perfectly fine with the idea that I would, you know, just drink myself to death. Yeah, I was I was a hundred percent convinced that you know, and I've always been scared of scared of death. It's really the only thing that I'm really afraid of. Um, but at that time, because you know, I was full of this substance, my my was not thinking clearly or rationally. Um, it made a lot of sense. It's like, look, I'm never going to get away from these feelings right now. The only thing that makes me feel all right, or like, like life is, is bearable as this. So I'm going to have to just keep going doing this until, you know, I don't feel anything anymore permanently, you know? So I, and to be so far away from that mindset now and and look back on it, I mean, it's just, I, I don't really even feel anything about it. It's hard. It's hard to even look at that and feel anything because it's, it doesn't even feel like something that I thought it feels like something like a whole other person thought. So what I, what, what I want to say, what I, how I want to cap off this discussion on, on self-medication, because I do think that, you know, and I've said this so many times on the show, I think addiction is very misunderstood and the, in the um, mindset of people who, who get addicted to things and why they get addicted to them, to them in the first place. You know, I think it's really wrong. A lot of the conversations that we have and people don't take a lot of time to understand. It's like a lot of people who, who become addicted to certain behaviors, certain substances, they're, 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 they're doing that as a form of self-medication and they don't, and they've gotten to a point where they don't know how to live life without it. Um, you know, I, I've had to explain to so many people time and time again, it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a self-medicator. I can choose. And I have I have chosen several different uh, versions of, uh, or I have chosen several different things that I use as self-medication. Um, I've chosen, you know, different substances over the years to use as as self-medication. They're all the exact same thing. They are, there isn't like tiers in, in terms of like, you know, uh, one over the other. They are all under the umbrella, equal playing field of self-medication. The only difference is like how much harm it does to my my mind and body and my health and all that. Um, but they are in terms of, you know, the self-medication, they are all, they're all the exact same thing. They are all for the exact same purpose. Um, and that the, the biggest difference then between them becomes, you know, which is, which is more reliable, you know, for, for me, it just ended up being, you know, alcohol, because that is a, that is a repetitive effect that, that you can you know exactly what it's going to do to you. Now over time, uh, how how uh, reliable it is changes because your body gets used to it. Your tolerance changes, and then you know you have to then use a little bit more and more and more. And now at this point in my life, it's like my tolerance is 
so high that I have to drink in excess almost every single time I drink to really feel the things that I want to feel. And that's even going like months without a without a drink, my tolerance is still that that high. Um, so the reliability for, from that is is now gone. And even though it's something that I'm not relying on anymore, I know now, luckily I know now that it's not something that I can truly rely on anymore. But I, the scary thing is, it's like now I have to now I have to find different avenues. I have to find, unfortunately, I have to find, you know, uh, health, healthier things for myself. And that's, that's scary thinking how on earth do I find these things? Because really, unfortunately, the things that are healthiest for you are, are, are the hardest things to have to deal with, you know, they, and they, they aren't going to be, be quick fixes, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing that's easy is really all that good for you, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And like, (laughs) that's a huge bummer in and of itself, you know, is like (sighs) the things that are easiest and most available to us are probably also going to be really detrimental to us in one way or another. And that's just like really depressing. And that's really sad because sometimes you just want things to be easy, you know? So if you're feeling sad this holiday season, head on down to Panera Bread, (laughs) grab yourself a big bowl of... Mac and cheese, and if you're lucky to live in the South and you've got a Zaxby's nearby Zaxby's, it's good on... What was the, what's the line? It's good. It's healing on its own. Zaxby's. It's healing on its own. <laughs> Listen, there's, there are a few things I want more in life than to be like a brand ambassador for Zaxby's. Like... Like, I, this is not trying to appeal to Zaxby's at all. Like, I'm I'm so serious. I talk about Zaxby's at least once a week to somebody in my life because I miss it so much. So we've got three different issues that I pulled from dailystrength.org. Do you want to do one, two, or three of them? Let's do two. And if it's okay with you, I also want to ask if you can send the text of the question to me. So that I can go back and read it because sometimes I get lost in my thoughts and I forget what the question was. All right. Give me a moment here while I do that and and you figure out a way to vamp here for a moment. Uh, just just say anything. If you want to talk more about Panera, go right ahead. <laughs> well, I, I, I alluded before we started recording to a... Um, <laughs> oh yeah this is actually perfect timing yeah <laughs> yeah so i was gonna tell you a story about the time that i made my husband watch uh, an NSYNC concert with me um so i i'm a huge fan of the <laughs> the powerhouse boy band NSYNC and i when i was younger i think i was like maybe f- i well i had to have been younger than six because i was still living in maine um NSYNC was doing a a live concert on HBO and it was a huge thing. There was going to be like this huge, like behind the scenes, like the making of the show beforehand that you could watch. And, um, and then they were going to do this huge live concert for their no strings attached tour at Madison square garden. And I was like, so excited out of my mind, excited for this concert. Uh, the only problem was we didn't have HBO. So, uh, luckily living, living on base where we were, um, we had, we had friends around us that had HBO and one of my mom's friends very kindly offered to record that concert for me. And I 
Loved it. It was everything I had ever wanted. It was incredible. Oh my God. I was so enamored with NSYNC. Um, And over time, I watched that VHS over and over and over and over until I literally just like, (laughs) I watched it until I couldn't anymore. And uh, one year for my birthday, I think at this point I was like 15 or 16. I was like in high school at this point. Um, And I had been lamenting to my mom about how much I just really wanted to watch this stupid NSYNC live at Madison Square Garden. Um, but the VHS was long since dead. And I was like, man, I just really want to watch you mean it. The, you mean the tape itself or the format? Uh, the tape itself was long past dead. Um, the format was also long past dead. It was no, yeah, it was uncool at that point. Yeah. So I, um, boy, watch it, watching an NSYNC concert on a VHS really dates you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I lamented to my mom about that. This was before YouTube was really a thing, like as, as big as it is now. Um, and not a lot of content like that could be found on YouTube. So I, uh, my mom found it on Amazon. A DVD copy of this concert was on Amazon. And it wasn't the exact same thing that I had from the recording from HBO. Like it didn't have the behind the scenes stuff, uh, but it had the concert, which is what I really missed. And she got that for me one year for my birthday. And I still have the DVD case. I don't know where the DVD is, actually, sadly. Um, but the, the most important part, I would think. <laughs> yeah, but YouTube has gotten a lot bigger, <laughs> come to find out. In the, has it really? Oh, the, good for them. The 10 years that has passed. Um, and there was one night, it was before... I think it was before our wedding. It might have been after the wedding. I'm not sure if me and Trevor were married at this point. You'd have to ask him. He has a better memory than I do. Um, But I was like, we were just driving around and I really wanted to listen to NSYNC. So we started playing NSYNC and I was singing along and it was great. And No Strings Attached came on. And that is like the the pinnacle of NSYNC songs. It is the best. If you think that that there's a song that's better, you are wrong. No Strings Attached is the top NSYNC song. And that was the opener for this concert. And I I can just see it in my head. And I told Trevor, like, I really want to share this with you. Like, I know you're probably going to poo-poo it because you're not a big in sync person but i think it would be really cool for us to watch this concert that happened in like 2000 so we did and he was like you know he's like i'm i'm doing this for you you really want to do this and I'm, i'll go along with it that's fine we'll watch it and he ended up really liking it because it is so <laughs> it is so of its time it is a very 2000 concert um there's like this big giant like face like a like a mask um that gets like projected onto at one point and it's really really strange and unsettling i would skip past it when i was little because it was like scary for me (laughs) but um but yeah it's just it's a very strange concert because it's very of its time um but i'm so glad that it's on youtube somewhere um because it's just really fun to go back to and watch. But my husband and I watched that and it was it was an awesome time. It was a lot of him being like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, why? Why is this happening? Why are they doing this? Um, it was just it was a great time. I loved it so much. That's one of my favorite memories of, of me and Trevor is watching that stupid in sync concert live at Madison Square Garden. Um, 
But yeah, I was before we started recording today. I started listening to In Sync because yeah, I was I was just about to bring this up. The reason why this is relevant <laughs> yeah. is this was your this was your pump up music this morning. Oh yeah, absolutely. I In Sync has always been pump up music. It always gets me real hype. So um, real hype, real hype. Uh, now, is that a thing? Is that a thing people say? Uh, probably not. Um, but like before, like I would go into like job interviews and stuff. I would usually listen to In Sync because it made me feel like confident and like I could do it. And um, and that's definitely the case for this stuff too. It's like I need I need to be a little pumped up sometimes. And I wasn't feeling my best this morning, so I started listening to In Sync, and it reminded me of this time that I made my husband watch this In Sync concert with me, and he ended up liking it. So. <laughs> That's that's very lucky. Um, I don't have you have you ever or have we all you know the three of us ever been together and and you've heard us discuss our old college roommate Brett Manflesh? <laughs> no. <laughs> so here's the thing you need to know about Brett Manflesh. Uh, well, uh, f- first thing being that his real last name was not Manflesh. I know his real last name, um, but I'm uh, I'm not going to say it. Um, I could, I, I don't need to, you know, it's been years and years and years. I don't need to, you know, drag, drag him into, uh, this, this show at all. Other, well, other than, you know, I doubt he still goes by Brett Manflesh. So I doubt this will get back to him. Um, there are a lot of things I could say about Brett Manflesh. Um, but the reason why he's relevant to me right now is that, uh, so when we were going to Columbia and it was the four of us living together, it was Trevor, our other friend Trevor, um, and then Brett. The two Trevors lived because we in in the dorm apartment that we had. Um, it was you know at the university center. Um, the university center was kind of bisected. On one side of the building were the dorms, where it was like. Uh, the the kind of dorms you may be imagining from from you know um, movies and TV where it's it's two people actually sharing a, a physical space together. This was more like an actual apartment where there were separate bedrooms. So there were four bedrooms within this within this apartment. The two Trevors living on one side, and then uh, me and Brett Manflesh living on the other. Um, every single morning or every single day when Brett was about to leave and go do what he was going to do for the day. Um, his He always had the exact same pump-up song. It never changed during the entire time that he lived there. And I swear to you, it was probably every single day that I, I heard this song come <laughs> on right before he left the apartment. And that was uh, the White Stripes Seven Nation Army. That's all. Anytime I hear that song now, that's all I can think about. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> and I, st- I wonder, I wonder to this day if, if, if that song still holds a special place in in his heart as it does mine. <laughs> does it really hold a special place in your heart, Andy? No. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those songs where I I would have I got tired of it then because of him, but I mean I would have gotten tired of it eventually over time just because it is one of those songs that's over overused. Like it, it it's just it's it's got that kind of quality to it where it's like it can be used consistently. Well, it's it's actually it's it's good hype up music because I think it gets used during a lot of uh, during during a lot of sports games. Um, yeah. I actually, I think I think the Chicago Blackhawks. It play it at least once during a a, a Blackhawks game. 
I'm, I'm pretty sure it is the Blackhawks. That would make sense. So now that we've gotten through talking about NSYNC and uh, Brett Manflesh, and I'm assuming you got my email? I did get your email, yes. Okay. So this is the this is the first time you have the questions uh, before I've I've revealed them to you. Do you do you like this process a little bit more? Not not being surprised by them. So I actually, while you were talking about Brett Manflesh, I had this like <laughs> this little like struggle within myself of do I do I open the PDF file and read the questions first or do I just wait until Andy says the topic and let myself be surprised? And I decided to read the questions and I'm actually, I'm very excited to, to talk about one of them specifically because you, you knocked it out of the park with your picks this time around. Oh, I, I don't usually. You do usually, but this one specifically, I feel like is directed at me. <laughs> uh, okay. Is it the, which, uh, without telling me which it is, and also the, the topic that's underlined for the third one, I, I forgot to delete that word. That's not the actual, that's not the actual topic. Um, as you can probably see by the, by the rest of the question, <laughs> yeah. it has nothing to do with that word. Um, but okay. W- which is the one that feels directed at you? One, two, or three? The third, the third one. Oh, the third one. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to make sure that we actually do that one? Yes, I do very much want to do that one. Okay. So I'm saying let's do the first one and the third one, just because I think that'll, that'll uh, bring us, bring us into the station, uh, just under two hours. Sound good to you? That sounds good. Okay, so let's start with the first one. What is one of the hardest challenges that you face daily? Um, one of the biggest challenges that I face daily is like... <laughs> well, okay, if we're talking about just like regular challenges that like... Outside of like mental health stuff, it's uh, eating. I have an extremely hard time eating during the day. Because I work from home now and I don't have like a set lunch hour and I just like forget to feed myself all the time. Trevor gets so frustrated with me because I will just I'll just forget to eat and I like I'm fine. Like I I, it causes it can cause migraines for me, which is not a fun time. But I I just forget I get so caught up with doing things or somebody will call me or I'll need to work on a certain project that just that just came up or something like that. And I'll just forget to feed myself. And I've done that several times now. It's so since frustrating. I, since I moved. And it's just because it, uh, either I'm, you know, busy setting up the apartment or different things, but I, I rarely forget to eat. Like I don't eat. I probably just eat uh, twice a day. It's, 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 it's rare where I eat, you know, three, three different meals. Um, Cause I've never really I've been a, a breakfast person and eating early in the morning actually kind of makes me feel sick sometimes, but I have within this past week, several times forgotten to eat and then it's like three or four o'clock and it's like why do i feel awful right now yeah and i you know <laughs> for me nine times out of ten it's because i have not eaten that day and i just like i i totally forget sometimes it's because i am also dehydrated and i <laughs> i've done that i've done that too where i'm where i'm like i i'm like why do i feel terrible and then i'll i'll have a glass of water and go like oh right i need this i actually need to drink water yeah and i will say i have always been a water drinking person like i am all about water what and it, it all started when oh, i a wdp <laughs> i am a wdp um mm, you know me 
Um, I... So, when I had my tonsils taken out when I was in third grade, one of the big things was, like, you have to drink a lot of water after your surgery. And my grandmother was, like, on my ass all the time, every day, every hour about drinking a bunch of water. And ever since then, I've gone through periods where, like, I am I drink a lot of water and then I won't drink a lot of water for a while. And I'm back in a phase where I am I am hydrated all the time. And we have just purchased a water cooler um and now we just we just have gallons of fresh cold purified water all the time um and that's been a life changer what's, what's for the me. what's the what's the brand on that just in case we want to try and you know <laughs> if, if panera and zaxby's fall through i think the actual water we get is called primo primo water oh I, that sounds that sounds really good and hydrating it is quite primo i must say <laughs> I don't know. We might need to work on the catchphrase. That's, yeah. <laughs> it needs work. It's fine. Um, Either that or, like, the mascot has to be, like, a like a sort of Monopoly Man figure with a monocle. I'm into that. Like a Mr. Peanut kind of thing, but it's like a gallon of water. Why did you... I already said Mr. Mister Monopoly. Why did you have to switch it to a different brand mascot? Because it's, like, the same kind of, like, thing. Like, the same genre of mascot. Mr. Peanut and Mr. Monopoly would be friends, I feel like, or mortal enemies. I was going to say, do you think they you think they hang out? Oh, maybe maybe that's true. Maybe they are. Maybe they are like rich rivals. Yeah, maybe they like maybe you they know. love each other. Maybe they hate each other. Did the Rockefellers get along with the Carnegies? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> are, are are they even contemporary to each other? That's another good question. <laughs> I know I've got Rockefeller right, but I don't. I don't know if Carnegie. I think Carnegie. That was a name. They did something. That was another industrialist or something. I don't entirely remember uh, what they did. <laughs> so the hard, one of the hardest challenges you face daily outside of mental health stuff is just remembering to actually take care of yourself. That, I'd say that that counts. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like I said, I don't think of it as like a mental illness thing or a mental health thing because I... Like, it, I don't know. I, I just never thought of it that way. But I guess it is because, like, that's actively, like, not taking care of myself, which is a choice that I make in my brain. So. For me, I think it's kind of split between two things. Um, aimlessness is a, is, a, is something that I, I feel a lot, um, especially now that I'm, I'm well, actually both of these things are, are very current that I'm, I'm going to say, you know, that, and it has entirely to do with the fact that I'm now I'm, I'm, I'm back on my own in, in, in my own place. Um, I mean, for people who want to know what the, the context of that statement entirely can just listen to, to last week's episode. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, and, and for a while I've kind of struggled with, with aimlessness, even when I, feel like I know what I'm doing or like I like like I've got a certain direction that I should be going I still have moments where I feel aimless and that's I think that's just a very normal thing that a, that a lot of people go through I just have a hard time dealing with that sometimes um and then the other thing that I struggle with is the same as our discussion topic this week is is um deci- making active decisions either not to self-medicate with uh, things, things that I know would be that I've labeled as being more reliable or, or, you know, finding, finding, uh, looking to see what, what may, may be healthier forms of self-medication, like, you know, between the aimlessness and trying to find, um, better forms of, of healthier forms of self-medication. Those are, those are two things that I've, for the past week that I've definitely been 
been struggling with because while I while I would say you know the big thing that I've been struggling with is is depression I mean like that's just something that I've been going through for for a while so it's like the thing I struggled with is like how how do I handle that what what healthy choices and am, am I able to to make to to get myself through that because it's it's really it's within the the first couple days of living here well the uh, the first night that i that i lived here i did something that i always do um whenever i get a a new apartment or i move to a new part of of the city of chicago um there's a certain restaurant and it's and because i'm i've always really lived on the north side uh past past the point when i was living in the south loop for for college um there's a mexican restaurant around here that i'm is usually either like the first night after moving in that i order from there or or within the first couple days that i that i order from there uh and so that's what i did the first night um and i was happy with that because it had been a long time since since i had had that and it's just tradition at this point um but then the second night i was like okay uh, I could just keep ordering things. You know, Grubhub is filled with tons of restaurants that are able to deliver to me at almost any time of night where I where I want it. And then I realized, well, well what I did was I, I ended up uh, ordering up ordering a pizza from you know a, a cheap pizza place that's that's around here that's open up very uh, that's open very late at night. Um, and then I realized it's like, am I just going to slide back in? to doing what I did the last time I lived in the city, you know, I, 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 you know, gonna, I'm gonna eat my feelings. And just because it's easier to order a pizza or burrito at, at any time of day that I, that I want, you know, I'm just going to do that again. So I made the decision. It's like, okay, uh, I, 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 I can't do that anymore. I have to, instead of spending 20, $30 on a meal, I'm, I need to actually go to the grocery store and get some things that are going to, because as, as I've talked on the show, like it's something that that's been big for me this summer is teaching myself how to cook. And it's like, I've got to spend the money on that. Something that can create multiple meals as opposed to, you know, just this thing that's going to satisfy me immediately. And then, then that's going to be it. And then I'm going to feel guilty by the fact that I wasted, wasted that money. Um, so that was, that was a, a, a big decision I had to make in terms of how I'm going to be self-medicating myself moving forward and, and, and not, not putting myself in that situation. Yeah. So the last topic that you wanted to talk about, uh, in the outside issues portion of this show, it has to do with, um, uh, family relationships in terms of like, uh, you know, how, how, how well you, you get along with your family. Um, so this topic reads, I really hate my biological father. I have not seen nor spoken to him in a little over 10 years because of him. I suffer from PTSD. I hate how he's always on my mind. How do I make this stop? Why does my brain do this to me? Uh, so yeah, this one, um, (laughs) when I read it, it kind of like punched me in the gut a little bit because this is something that I, I feel regularly. Um, for me, it's not the relationship with my biological father because I I didn't know him. Um, but definitely the relationship with my ex stepdad. Um, he, he was in my life for the majority of my life and we never really had a great relationship and, you know, a lot of hurtful things were said and done over the years. And 
those things have been incredibly hard to shake. Um, it's another one of those, the axe forgets, the tree remembers kind of moments. And <laughs> it's one of those things that I, you know, there are just some things that I feel like you don't understand until you've been through them. And this, this is, this is a hard one because even though, you know, this person and I don't really have a relationship, the only, you know, connecting factor is my brother, who is his biological son. Um, and there are so many things that I have learned that I have picked up over the years as defense mechanisms, um, as coping mechanisms for getting through, you know, this, this portion of my life, um, that I still hang on to. And there's still a lot of hurt baked into a lot of those things. Um, so, so talking about this person, seeing this person, um, communication with this person is all extremely difficult. And luck luckily I'm in a place now where that doesn't happen as much. I have limited my exposure because I know those things actively hurt me. Um, and I would say that's, that's my best advice for anybody who is going through something similar to this is limit your exposure as much as you possibly can. Um, you know, if that means not following them on Facebook or unfriending them on social media or, you know, staying off of social media is, is something that I have found is really helpful for me, not only with this specific situation, but with other situations where I have a lot of like hurt and, and pain baked into my relationship um, is, is limit your exposure as much as you possibly can. Um, and, and for a lot of this stuff, the person who has been hurt is not at fault. And that's also really hard to let go of because when bad things happen to you <laughs> and, and you're a person who is, is very anxious or very depressed, we have a tendency to blame ourselves and to see ourselves as capital B bad and that we have deserved what has happened. And that is not the case. Um, so there's a, there's a healing that needs to happen there for like letting go and understanding that you did not deserve to be treated the way that you were treated by this person. Um, which, and you know what, that may have already happened and things still are hard to get through. I understand that too. Um, I would say the biggest things that have helped are a, the exposure limiting, but B, having a way to get those feelings out of your body, whether that is... Um, <laughs> recording yourself talking about it. Um, if you, if you, if you record a podcast with your friend, <laughs> um, you know, that this is something that has helped me tremendously. Um, but also having a person to go to and just like say, Hey, I'm feeling these horrible feelings. and I need to get it out of my system. I need to tell somebody else how I'm feeling. Or if it's journaling and writing down all of those feelings, um, something that has helped me over the years is writing letters that I, I will never send. Um, and I, I use this in, in that specific relationship. Um, I have used this with, with friendships and with other relationships that I've been in that have hurt tremendously is like, act like you're talking to that person and get those feelings out of you. Um, and the more you are able to get those feelings out in the open, number one, if it's something written or something recorded, you have something to reference back to and to go back and like think about and kind of dig into and unpack with yourself. Um, 
But even like even if it's not something where you can go back and analyze it or dig into why you are feeling the way you are feeling, you're still getting that emotion out of your body. And in a moment where those feelings flare up, which happen quickly and and can ha- and can kind of take your breath away by how like rapidly they just kind of bubble up and happen, um, if you're able to diffuse that, you're more able to actually deal with those feelings. In my experience. Um, and those, those would be my two big things. Um, and I, I also want to say like, as I, as I normally do with things like this, if you are somebody who, ha- who is dealing with this or who has been going through these feelings, whether that's a relationship with a parent, biological or otherwise, or with a relationship, a friendship, whatever it is, um, that's hard. That's a hard thing to deal with, especially when there have been like learned behaviors that you have taken away from that situation or um, like learned patterns of thought that you have like used to cope with this thing. Those are hard things to undo. And if you are dealing with that, if you are struggling with that, my heart goes out to you because you know, I've, I have been through that. I am still going through that. You know, it's an ongoing process. Um, I haven't I haven't woken up and those feelings have gone away. Um, some days they're easier to deal with, some days they're harder to deal with. And luckily I am at a place now where I have been exposed to those feelings so much that I am able to kind of navigate myself in a way where I am still able to be healthy and have those feelings. I I agree with everything you said, and I really don't have much more to add on top of, of, of everything that you said. So I, because I, I think you covered it perfectly. Um, you know, the, the only things, the only, the only two things I have left to say, you know, I guess the big thing is, you know, this, this person talks about why does my brain do this to me? How do I make, how do I make these, these, these thoughts stop? Um, a big part of, of why you can't make these thoughts stop is, is you, you don't want to, because you don't feel like justice has been served. You feel like something has been done against you. Um, and that the, the, the other person has not, has not paid for, for their, for their crimes, whatever they may be. Um, and feeling like you are not capable of receiving justice is a really heart wrenching, a horrible, horrible feeling. And it's something that's really hard to let go of, but that's, that's something that you, you, you may have to work on because it is unlikely when none of us are really guaranteed justice uh, for things that are done against us in our lives. And we can't really waste time, um, worrying about whether or not we'll, we'll ever receive that or, or whether another person will ever face any retribution for the, for the things that they've either done to us or, or just any sort of karmic balance will, will affect them generally. You know, that's something that you've got to try and work through is that unfortunately things aren't always fair and not everybody, not everybody faces consequences for their, for their actions. Um, Another big, another big part of this um, is, as far as the PTSD is concerned, uh, and that's another huge thing to to let go of because we are we are creatures that are that get used to repetitive actions. Um, we have certain things like much like a sense memory. You know, you you experience a smell that brings brings you back to you know your 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 childhood, or you hear a song that brings you back to a different point in your life and the same goes for you know all the all, all different different uh, negative triggers that that you experience and uh, the only thing that's ever really going to help is to recognize the fact that 
that's not actually happening right now. The person who did that to you is 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 long gone in the past, and that even though you may be maybe you know re-experiencing certain things for for one reason or another, or you you may be experiencing something because somebody else is is doing the exact same thing to you that somebody else uh, might have might have done in the past. Well, the the big thing you have to do there is get yourself out of that situation because you recognize that that is an unhealthy situation to be in. Um, but then there's another part where it's like you could be putting those feelings on top of somebody else who isn't really doing that to you. Um, and we've talked about this on the show before because when we a couple different times that we've had um, listener submissions to the show that have talked about things along along these lines, either be it, you know relationships or experiences with with family. Um, the biggest thing you have to do is try and recognize you know uh, what what's what's actually going on in the moment like um is this just a feeling that's been triggered because you you it's just been it's just been brought up again or is this uh, something that somebody is doing that is that is you know a a, a big red flag um but the, the the healthiest thing you can do for yourself is is really try and uh, recognize what's what's actually going on in the moment um why you're feeling those feelings and that if if it really isn't a situation of somebody else doing to you what somebody has done to you before, you know, trying to trying to recognize and make yourself feel safe by realizing that you are actually far away from from the things that that put those feelings there in the first place. You know, you are you are uh, you're 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 scared of having to go through those things again or or you you know, you feel like you're on a, a hair trigger because, you know, you are you you don't want to have to experience certain certain emotions again, um, but in all likelihood, you are probably probably safe from from the you know the things that put those feelings there to be, to begin with. So, try and recognize that time has time has moved forward. Are, are you in a different place now than than you were back then? And if you are now, if you are in an actual safe place. Try and let yourself off the hook a little bit. Try and try and start to let those those feelings go because you are probably in a, a place of of more safety than 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 you've ever been. But it's it's really difficult to to let that all go. During that, you you pulled a thought straight out of my forehead, um, and that's something that I want to kind of close this recording with. Um, you know, where we are halfway through the month of October at this point, for the most part. Um, it, we, we certainly will be by the time this episode comes out and this, this is kind of the start of the holiday season and something, the holidays have always been really hard for me. Um, and, and as they are for a lot of people and something that I read this week hit me like a ton of bricks and it was, um, just a small quote that a friend of mine shared and it was, um, over-independence is a trauma response. And and this is something that I have dealt with a lot in my life, especially around the holidays. Um, I, I have always wanted to be a very independent person, and I've always liked to be viewed as a very independent person. And because of that, I have really limited myself to the support that I receive because I'm afraid to appear weak or like I can't handle things on my own. And 
something that I think is really important, especially as we head into the holiday season, given the given all of the horrible things that are happening in the world right now, I think it is extremely important to um, to all of our listeners, <laughs> to you, Andy, to me, to tell myself is that it's okay to need support and it's okay to not be um, vigilantly independent all the time. Um, you know, there are some things that you just can't do by yourself. There are some things that are going to be too heavy to carry by yourself. And especially as we start thinking about the end of the year and all of those feelings that come along with it, that for a lot of people are warm and fuzzy and for a lot of people are not warm and fuzzy at all. Um, I think my, my challenge to myself, uh, to you, Andy, and to our listeners is to, give ourselves the room to receive support. Um, because the reality of it is, is we're, we're living in a really difficult time right now. Um, where a lot of people are, a lot of people have developed trauma responses to everything that's happened because a lot of what we've been through both this year and in the years past have been very traumatic and seeking independence now uh, can, can be a good thing, but being very vigilant about remaining independent can also be a detriment. Um, so (laughs) in the spirit, kind of, kind of hard, kind of hard to do now that I'm living by myself, uh, (laughs) during, during a pandemic, but you know what? I, I take your point. Um, it's, it's so important to, to realize that sometimes you can't do it all by yourself and that's okay. Um, no, that is a that is a really good point. You know, people, I I have tried to be excessively independent in my life, um, but I've I've learned the lessons uh, the hard way that uh, you you do need other people. You know, you aren't you aren't just a hermit living on an island, right? And and it's so easy because you know, think we're we're get, it's everything's getting colder. We're already living in a pandemic where we're socially distancing. Um, it's easy to shut yourself off from everything. And I, you know, I if you need support. And if you recognize that you do need that support, please reach out and get that from whomever it is in your life. If that's, you know, if that's, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the <laughs> the website that you pulled the, um, dailystrength.org. Yes, thank you. Dailystrength.com. If that's posting somewhere like that. Dot org. Dot org. I'm so sorry. Good Lord. I'm doing it bad today. Um, failing that either zaxbees.com, Panera, you know. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's so important to um to not be excessively independent um even though it can be it can be super easy to do that. You know, it's really easy to feel uh, lonely and alone sometimes. And, and a lot of the time it can be for, for good reason. You know, people are, are not, um, reaching out to you as, as, as much as they should, but also be vigilant about the idea of making yourself feel alone, putting yourself in a place where you are not, not, not being reached out to by people or reaching out to other people. Don't, don't, don't force loneliness on yourself. Yeah. Well, I think that'll, uh, that'll wrap it up for, for this week's episode, it's interesting to be back, even though it's only been a couple of weeks, it's interesting to be back doing these episodes kind of like the way that we, we, we were used to 
being able to do them. Like this is now a around a, a two hour episode. Um, so hopefully, hopefully people didn't get too used to our, our change in format. Uh, <laughs> you know, now that, now that we're back to doing things that, you know, the way that we're used to. Um, but, uh, Hey, if anybody out there has anything they're going through and they'd like, uh, to, you know, and, and they'd like to hear us, uh, discuss it anonymously on the show, um, you can reach out to us on social media or by email. The social media uh, pages that you can reach out and send a message through on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, the handles for both, if you need me pod, uh, and then the email address is if you need me at oxchicago.com. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if, if you don't feel like, uh, like reaching out or, or there's somebody, you know, in your life who's going through something and you think that maybe they would benefit by, uh, by, by hearing us, uh, dis- discuss their issue, you know, send them, uh, send them, send them our way. I mean, we're, we're happy with the listeners that we, that we have right now, but, uh, you know, the only reason we do this show is, is not for, not, not for, not for the, uh, download numbers, not for the streaming numbers. Uh, it's really just to, uh, to help anybody, to help anybody that we can. So uh, until next time, uh, we are here if you need us. This has been a production of Ox Audio. For more information on Ox and the Ox Audio Podcast Network, visit us online at oxchicago.com.